Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Littlest Petcast. I am your host, James, and today we are going to talk about the episode Littlest Pet Shop of Horrors. Yeah, I know I missed Halloween on this one, but I mean, the Simpsons do that regularly, so can't complain too much, I guess. So, it starts on a dark night. The window to LPS is open, and the wind blows a ball off of the bench and, uh, like, to the other side of the wall with a doll and an alien. So, Blythe is laughing from outside the play area. We see her silhouette, and she's wearing a cowboy hat riding a horse. But it's just her Halloween costume! As she comes into the light, dressed as a cowgirl, riding Applejack of MLP because they share a voice actress and she's a cowgirl and it's amazing and I love it. She has a bag of candy saying that Halloween is the best or this is the best Halloween ever rather. So here's the thing. Blythe apparently went trick-or-treating in this and she's a high schooler and that doesn't seem to bother her. Or really anyone. I'm not... I like trick-or-treating. I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween outside of that. I like the costumes. I like doing costumey stuff. There's not that big of a horror person. Like, basically, since we're on the topic of MLP at this point, because of Applejack... Just watch uh, the Scaremaster episode, and you'll you'll understand like my position on Halloween. It's just it's just not for me. So Young Me tries to get through the door, but her costume is uh, Teddy Roosevelt on Mount Rushmore, and it's preventing her from entering. Blythe helps, but in the process, she ruins Young Me's costume by bursting through Jefferson's head, and they laugh about it. Blythe calls the pets as she brought them some Halloween candy. Because it's a show, we'll just ignore how pets probably shouldn't be eating candy. Which makes my biggest complaint about this scene being... I don't think you should give these pets candy. Because one time they went Lord of the Flies over it. And another time they almost committed vehicular manslaughter. I don't think giving these... Animals candy is a good idea. So she offers double dip. She says caramel. I'm more of a caramel person. It's caramel. Whatever. She says double dip caramel. And Pennyling groans. Blythe says that she knows they aren't her favorite, but she also has double frosted peanut butter cups. Then she notices something wrong. Penny appears disheveled and monstrous. Young Me wonders why Penny is a zombie. Blythe thinks it's just her costume. But when Russell and Vinny appear the same, Blythe thinks it's the zombie apocalypse. Blythe runs while Young Me tries to get away, but gets caught by the other pets, who all of them have now surrounded her. When Blythe sees Young Me as a zombie, 
now as a zombie after the pets got her. She says this is the worst Halloween ever. Credits. Like, opening credits at this point. So then, afterwards, Blythe wonders about the zombies, and Sunil uh, comes through the dumbwaiter, because he's the only one that's not a zombie, saying that it's the pet food's fault. Blythe wants to know what to do, and Sunil says that there's no known cure for zits. Zombie in treat syndrome. Which I think is a delightful little uh, callback to Hedgehog in the Plastic Bubble. And, you know, it's just, it's just a fun little thing. So, like, they, they're going like, Rins! and Blythe hears something in that. She realizes they aren't saying brains. They're saying brand. <laughs> She looks at the pet food box and sees that there's not any fiber in there. They aren't zombies. They're just bloated. So she goes to find some bran and jumps over Young Me and runs to the front of the store, which is impressive in a in an intricate horse costume, I might add. Like like there there's like the horse bit, like, she, she's in the legs part, but she has little dangly legs on, on the horse as well to imitate her riding the horse when she's actually just standing and walking around. But there's just this big, floppy little, like, horse front. And it's impressive that she does any maneuvering at all. So... She makes her way around Minka and goes to the storefront to find some food. As she is looking, the pets follow her. The pets and Yangmi, that is. Finally, she finds some high-in-fiber food and throws it into the mouths of the pets. The pets complain as the bran flakes aren't tasty. And Blythe asks if everyone is alright. Yangmi is upset that she ate pet food, while Pepper says that this isn't one of her best. We fade out to the pet shop and realize that Blythe is just telling a spooky story. She's not in costume. She's just wearing a regular outfit at this point. So Blythe is upset because no one liked her story. Penny says that she did like it, but then asks, it wasn't supposed to be scary, was it? Blythe says that it was since it's like a Halloween story. Vinny and Sunil found it scary, but oddly tantalizing. Pepper says that anyone can tell a better scary story than that. Blythe says that since their owners are out celebrating Halloween and Blythe is stuck here, why don't we have a spooky story contest? Winner gets this chocolate-covered liver ball. And... Okay, so... So I have a few things to go over. First thing is this. This is, like, the crux of the name of the episode. I mean, obviously, there's the Little Shop of Horror reference. But it also has, like, the Treehouse of Horror motif with the storytelling. Like, it, it does, like, the, like, whole... It, it builds a narrative around the stories and them being told. Like, in the first one, it was Bart and Lisa in the treehouse. Hence the name Treehouse of Horror. And then in the second one, it was like 
spooky dreams. And in the third one, it was like just a Halloween party. Like, yeah, more so like the first three, but they're all broken up into parts. So that's basically the idea behind this episode. So then she comments, I am never trick-or-treating at the Gundersons ever again. So she went trick-or-treating. Like, she doesn't have a costume on. So maybe she left it upstairs when she came down here. So, like, she must have gone trick-or-treating earlier. And it's, like, night right now, and a lot of cities have it during sunset, so it would be a little dark, but it's fully dark now. So Blythe has to go back to work while the owners and maybe Mrs. Twombly, heck, you know Mrs. Twombly is out partying and, you know, doing adult Halloween stuff while Blythe is watching the pets. Like, so, so, so far, Blythe Blythe has had one heck of a Halloween. (laughs) So, like, She's in high school and went trick-or-treating, but had to stop because she had to go back to work. Like, pulling a late-night shift, I might add, because it's Halloween and their owners are out at parties. (laughs) So, Pepper rightly points out that Penny is an expert storyteller and she would win the whole thing easily. Penny says that she doesn't do scary stories, but she is available for guest appearances in other stories, which is a delightful little line. Vinny and Sunil are also out, and Blythe says they thought uh, they liked scary stuff, and the two explain that it's sort of a love-hate thing. Blythe says that the prize will make it a love-to-love-it thing. Sunil has a story, but Vinny doesn't. Blythe says that Vinny can be the judge. So the usual transition bumper uh, stuff where it's just like a bunch of like colors and shapes is now replaced with Halloweeny things in this episode. So we're at the airport and Roger thanks Stephanie for taking the landing. He explains that he's done back to back to back to back international long hauls. He says he's so jet-lagged that he doesn't even know what day it is. To reiterate, Blythe's Halloween is as follows. Wake up alone because her dad has many flights. Possibly go to school. I don't know. It could be a Saturday or Sunday. Maybe it's a weekday. Do a few things around the house slash pet shop. Trick or treat with maybe only young me who agreed to do this as a high schooler, mind you. Like, Blythe comes from that suburbia thing, so maybe she's more used to, like, doing the trick or treating thing as she's older. But, like, most people would make fun of you for that. And for all we know, the cowgirl. And Mount Rushmore thing might be actual costumes they had. And maybe Sue and Jasper didn't go trick-or-treating because they didn't want to or whatever. 
whatever. And then come back to the pet shop because all of the pet's owners are out partying. Blythe, you, you, you can come to your job whenever because your Halloween sounds kind of sad. Kind, you, you need a hug. And I guess the pets do that for you. So Roger notices that Stephanie is missing because she walked off, but she, he didn't notice that, and sees a werewolf. <laughs> and Roger, Roger freaks out and says, Werewolves at the airport! I told them this day would come, but did they listen? No! So he runs away, and the dude takes off his werewolf mask and is like, what? So... At the pet shop, Blythe says, let the littlest pet shop of horrors begin. Hey, that's the name of the episode. So she asks Vinny if he's ready. He says, I am, I think. Russell has a story, and he says that it will scare the pants off of you if you wear pants. We're going to come back to that line. Just, you'll see why. So Russell is handed a flashlight and he begins his story at the dawn of Little's pet shop and by night they would know true fear. Mrs. Twombly introduces today's overnight camper, a bat by the name of Vlad. And once the like cover is taken off his cage, all of the girl pets fall for him immediately. Mrs. T explains that his owner was someone incredibly handsome and says, you don't see many men in a cape these days. Mrs. T is in gaga mode and Blythe snaps her out of it. Mrs. Trombley tells everyone to take care and leaves. The girls come up to Vlad and introduce themselves. And <laughs> I love Penny. And she says, I'm Penny Ling, but my friends call me Penny Ling. Everyone's my friend. <laughs> Zoe asks Short, Dark, and Handsome for his story. And Vlad says that his story is as old as time itself. He spends an eternity looking for true love in his days and, well, mostly nights. The girls giggle and Blythe now has hearts in her eyes as well and says, I'm on Team Vlad and floats off. I guess this is a story, so I don't think we need to worry about you know gravity as much <laughs> so Russell wonders why the girls are so infatuated by Vlad Sunil explains that it's maybe his rakish good looks which is a word and that's a weird word I don't like it is a word. It, like, it means having or displaying a dashing, jaunty, or slightly disreputable quality or appearance. But you don't really hear that word often. <laughs> Much like you don't see many men in the cape. His brooding manner. Or maybe it's just because he's a bat. And Russell comes to the logical conclusion, dude's a vampire. <laughs> Sunil is shocked by this claim, and then the sound of rhythmic drumming can be heard, and he asks, who has a drum machine? Apparently Russell does, because we are now treated to a song called Dude is a Vampire, 
And it's about how Russell says that Vlad is a vampire. And it's kind of a funny early 90s hip-hop song. It's it's very, uh, like, jaunty in that. It's, it's fun, I guess. So throughout the song, Russell constantly warns the girls about how Vlad is a vampire, but they don't seem to listen. He also wards off Vlad's attacks for them. So to show you how oblivious everyone seems to be, Penny Ling was, like, literally being served, like, apple in the mouth on a tray, and she says that Russell is completely wrong about Vlad. And then when Russell points out that Vlad has no reflection, Minka says, no kidding, no mirror can handle that much handsome. And even Blythe tries to date Vlad, but Russell stops that. So we're back on the animals can date humans thing. Maybe that wasn't a soft reset from last episode. Whatever. So Vlad also goes to bed at sunrise, and Russell says that that is Vampire 101. So, uh, while Russell is fighting Vlad, Vlad tricks him into going into a vault, but Russell eventually gets Vlad by posing as a woman by the window, and then uh, revealing himself and uh, opening the curtains and shining the sun on him, which scorches him as he flies back into the darkness. Russell wraps up by saying, pretty scary, huh? Zoe calls it gross, which it is. Because it's a story of how jealous Russell can be, like, about getting attention from women. And it makes all of the girls into love-obsessed one-dimensional figures, including Mrs. Twombly. And, like, the heart of the story is just love me instead because I'm actually a good person. Which, ew. And remember what he said at the beginning. He said, like, it's going to scare your pants off. Like, Russell. Russell, do you, do you need um HR to come in? Like, this is not... This is not a respectful way to treat women. <laughs> like, I know you're just telling a story, but, like, you... You need... You need to talk about this. <laughs> about your problems with women, Russell. Your apparent problems with women. It's basically like... Like in Homestuck, when uh, Caliborn had those, like, fake things... And then John called him out on it. And he's like, no. It's just... Uh, Russell, Russell, get some help. Like, like may, maybe he just picked it up from, like, hanging around Jerry recently. Because Jerry uh, is not great either. Russell, Russell's, Russell can be okay. But uh, this is, uh, th this is gross. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, Penny found the scorching bat bit gross. But she doesn't seem to mention Russell's attitudes towards women in this story. But 
I mean, I I guess like Penny and Russell are fairly close in this, and Penny m- might want to date Russell. But that's all the more reason to call him out. Oh boy, this is uh where this is this is the real horror. The real the real horror of of like just depressing stuff. Pepper found the song gimmicky and that that I will disagree with. I like the song. It's cheesy as heck, but I like cheesy. You know that. I I kind of had a breakdown about that. Russell is then like, well, let's see what the judge has to say. And it's like, that's not great either because you're just brushing off the opinions of three women who, like, don't really like your story. But Vinny is really scared and declares Russell the winner. Which, I mean, I guess it's fine enough, but... I think Russell just needs some help. Russell can be a good person. It's just sometimes he isn't. And I don't know. People and I guess animals are complicated. Like he's not the worst. At like by any stretch of the imagination. He just needs help sometimes, and this is one of those times. So Zoe says that we all get to compete, and Vinny brings out Sunil. Sunil thinks he can tell his story, but he can't. So, in Roger's car, he is muttering to himself, Increase security, I said. Put in a werewolf detector, I said. Roger, you're just being paranoid, they said. Well, who's paranoid now? Aliens aren't invading, Roger. You're just being paranoid. The mailman's not spying on you, Roger. You're just being paranoid. There's no society of anthropomorphic frog people living in the sewers, Roger. You're just being paranoid. Owls can't read your thoughts, Roger. You're just being paranoid. So, Roger stops at a stoplight and sees kids in costume. Roger exclaims that it's not just werewolves, it's also witches and hockey players. And once the light turns green, Roger punches it and the kids all shrug. So, Blythe didn't even get to spend the entire allotted trick-or-treating time out there. Like, because she had to work. I mean, Blythe, come on. <laughs> I just, oh, poor, poor, poor Blythe. Her, her life is, is being held together by the pet shop. And that's it. <laughs> like, may, like, she may have gone trick or treat. Like, I think the only reason she could convince one or all three of her usual friends to go trick-or-treating. We don't know for sure, but based on the story, it seems like Young Mi's the only one who went with her, right? Is because of this, like, depressing thing. Like, I made this costume because, like, my dad isn't here and I had nothing else to do. 
it's really intricate, guys. And it's like, you don't say no to that. It's, you don't, you just don't. Okay. <clears throat> so, Roger thinks he's safe after uh, punching it, but the car stops. He screams when he realizes he's out of gas. So, at the shop, Zoe is telling her story, and it ends with, and the craft services table was out of low-fat muffins! And she screams, but no one else is scared. She asks, is there anything more scary than a poorly serviced photo shoot? And Pepper takes the flashlight and says, yeah, I have a story that's actually scary. So, again, story logic. So Pepper wakes up in her house, and she has pictures of herself all around the wall, and realizes that she's late for her set. So she drives, calls it out, and is like, you know, keeps driving. She's driving on an icy mountain road. So things get tricky, and the car starts to slip, and she's about to fall, but she hits the brakes uh, before they do that. <laughs> and she's relieved. But then the airbag pops and knocks her out. She wakes up in a wooden cabin and wonders what's going on. Penny says, oh good, you're awake. Pepper's like, Penny Ling? She says, I'm not Penny Ling. I'm your biggest fan. And starts laughing maniacally. Penny breaks character for a second to complain about the dress, but then gets back to being Pepper Clark's biggest fan and laughing maniacally. So this is a misery parody. I am going to assume it's a little over the heads of the target audience, both in recognizing it and fully understanding it. Like, they do a good enough job, but this seems advanced for, like, a Stephen King thing. Like, I mean, like, as much as people might roll their eyes at an It parody especially because it's kind of popular now, but, like, this was before the first It movie. So, eh. The concept is simple enough. Like, this monster versus, like, a bunch of kids. Like, there are, like, a few other things they could do, but... Like, the Misery seems like... like an odd choice to make it's like they do it well enough we'll see but it's just it's just maybe a bit too advanced so Penny explains that Pepper was in an accident and she found her and she's nursing her back to health Pepper says that she's fine and tries to get up but can't Penny's like what are you talking about you can't even move she pulls the covers back to reveal that Pepper is tied down to the bed with rubber chickens. Pepper says that she can't stay because she has a show to do. Penny says, that's funny, so do I. She pulls a book on her bookshelf 
and it flips over to reveal a stage. Pepper is confused as Penny puts on a skunk tail and a pepper wig, and Penny begins telling jokes. What's up with airplane food? They should call it air lame food. Pepper comments, not as bad as your jokes. She tries escaping, but can't. Penny continues, did you hear on hear about the broke skunk? She had no scent. So the owl says, who's on first? Get it? We then see a clock spinning and an assortment of penny heads spinning as well. And they are laughing at her own jokes. And then eventually Penny cracks and says, why aren't you laughing? These are funny. So Pepper is back in her room and saying that they aren't funny while tossing and turning. And she wakes up and realizes it was just a dream. She looks at the time and goes to her show. So it's in a like city theater. So there's no like mountain road or whatever. Not yet, anyway. Well, I mean, this year. Like, it snowed on Halloween this year, which is kind of, eh. Like, global warming and stuff. Like, do do your part. I don't... Like, I I know, like, we should be, like, doing all that. But, like, at, at this point... Like, who, who's going to listen that isn't, like, already in one camp or the other? It's just... Whatever. So, when Pepper graces the stage, she sees a crowd of pennies laughing, and Pepper gets scared. So, I mean, I guess it's, like, a misery parody with, like, a twist of a uh, king of comedy. And, like, again... It seems fairly advanced, but but they make it work. And Pepper concludes her story. Everyone is scared and Blythe says that it's going to be tough to beat. She asks Minka if she wants to go, but Minka says that she can't top that. Blythe says that we might have a winner and asks Vinny. Vinny still wants to hear Sunil's story, but Sunil runs out of the play area. So meanwhile, Roger is hiding from the monsters in a dumpster and he's covered in trash. He's wondering how he can get home. He sees more trick-or-treaters and freaks out. Roger psychs himself up by saying he deals with much worse stuff on a regular basis. I eat airplane food. He gets out of the dumpster brave, but when the lid lands, he takes off like Shaggy. So, Blythe, says that since Sunil bailed the treat is Peppers. Pepper's about to grab it when Sunil comes back in a white lab coat. Zoe says that this isn't a costume contest. Maybe it should be. Blythe deserves it. She's given up part of her trick-or-treating time that she still does as a high schooler because she's kind of depressed and needs to get out of the house for a little bit. Like... If you're going to have this big spooky like scary story swap, at least at least embrace it. So, Sunil, however, says that this is no costume. It belonged to his great-grandfather. 
Vinny asks if he's going to tell the story of Dr. Senilenstein, and Blythe asks, who is that? And Sunil explains that he was a scientist, and according to family legend, he was one mad mongoose. A lightning bolt flashes to the beginning of the story. In his lab, it's black and white. Sunil explains that he was a genius, and in his first invention was Dr. Sunil and Sun snaps color, and the story is now in color, which is a good bit. <laughs> Sunil explains that Dr. Sunilenstein wasn't satisfied, so he began to experiment with the unnatural. Sunilenstein asks his assistant, Minkor, for the brain. Minkor gives him a peanut. Sunil asks where she got it, and Minkor says that she found it in a bag of mixed nuts. Sunilenstein says, Ask a silly question. So Sunil and Stein lodges the brain slash peanut into the head and puts the top of the head back on. Sunil and Stein asks for the switch to be thrown and Minkor does it and like uh like the whole electricity thing like hits the like monster and stuff. Well, we'll get into that for a second. The creation rather. And uh, it blacks out for a second. So the creature, played by Vinny, comes to life and starts walking. Sunil and Stein is impressed. So the creature bumps into a table, which drops the needle of a record player, and music starts playing. The creature starts dancing, and like I said, I know the creature's name is Frankenstein's monster, but I'm going to be referring to it as the creature or Frankenstein's creature because I don't think he's necessarily a monster just because of how he came to be. Like he might be the product of something unholy, but that doesn't make him evil on his own merits. The rest of his story and like his actions might dictate like what happened, like how, how he becomes a monster rather, but his creation doesn't make him a monster, in my opinion. That's just that's just my two cents. I haven't actually read the full story, but like from my understanding, he's just like brought to life, like he's like a homunculus, and like while like homunculus homunculi aren't necessarily evil just because they were created, but like. It's basically the whole, like, like it's not how you were, it's not the circumstances of your birth, but what you do with the gift of life kind of thing. Basically that. Yep, Pokemon, the first movie, ripped off Frankenstein. We're, we're doing that. So anyway, so Nielenstein believes that his dancing creation will spread joy across the land of downtown city Sylvania. However, a crowd of villagers, played by the other LPS pets, come in. The head villager, Russell, says that the doctor violated nature's laws by creating that. Also, he caused a huge blackout. It was only for a second, though, because, like, the lights did come back on. And there is music playing. But maybe Dr. Sunilenstein has, like, a generator? So, the creature offers to dance with everyone, but he gets denied. 
Russell tells the villagers to charge, and Sunilenstein stands in their way. Which, why would that work? Like, it works. They stop, but, like, if they're angry at Sunilenstein for creating this, like, I don't know. I don't get it. So, Sunilenstein tells the villagers that sometimes we fear that which we do not understand. The creature asks to dance, and Sunil Einstein tells him to dance. He does, but he starts dancing wildly. The villagers think he's out of control. The creature knocks into the generator, which, okay, I guess he does have a generator. And the villagers run while the castle explodes with Sunil Einstein and Minkor inside. Sunil finishes the story by saying... The only thing that remained from that explosion was this lab coat and a creature doomed to dance the earth forever. Everyone is really scared. They wonder if all of this really happened. Sunil says he doesn't know. But if you listen on a full moon, you can hear. And then Vinny comes out and says, Dance! Like the creature, which frightens everyone. And Vinny and Sunil laugh because they got everyone good. So everyone wonders about if it was just a story. And Sunil says, yeah, pretty much. Penny asks, so your great-grandfather wasn't a mad scientist? What about the lab coat? Sunil says that he was a dentist, treated everyone in his village. He had a booming practice because mongoose are known to have like 40 teeth. Blythe declares to nail the winner and gives him the chocolate-covered liver balm. Vinny says that there's no such thing as mad scientists or vampires or zombies. And then they hear some moaning and see a silhouette of a figure with a bunch of stuff on him. And Vinny thinks it's a zombie. When he walks in, it's just Roger covered in garbage. He tells Blythe that they have to leave because downtown city is overrun with monsters. Blythe explains that it's Halloween, and Roger's like, that explains everything. He then goes home for the night because he is beat. So, to cap it off, to cap it all off, the limited amount of time she does spend with her dad, it's to calm down his paranoia and not work on her own issues. Blaith, you are too good for this world. I'm just saying. So, Blaith asks Sunil, So in your story, was the monster doomed to dance forever alone? Sunil says that no. Dr. Sunil Einstein built a new lab, and with it, we see the experiment go again. And then Sunilenstein asks the creature to rise. It's Buttercream as the bride. And she immediately wants to dance. And she dances with uh, Vinny. And Vlad swoops in to end the episode. And that's uh, the episode. Overall, it's a very solid episode. Really well done. I like the whole story thing. And, uh, you know, like, Blythe has a sort of depressing Halloween, 
But, I mean, the pets make up for it by, like, doing this scary story contest and just hanging out with her, which, like, is what good friends do. And that is it for this episode of The Littlest Petcast. Be sure to leave your comments and reviews on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when they are doomed to dance the earth forever. And be sure to tune in next time for the episode Game of Groans. I shall see you then.